Hello and welcome to our bumper festive edition of our Galloway's Eye. Here we aim to bring you information on our services and activities, as well as some entertaining sound bites outside the world of Galloway's. And don't forget, we're still here for you. You can call us on 01772 744 148 and speak to our sight loss advisors. Coming up, track two. Stuart Clayton, our CEO, and Simon Booth, our Chairman of Trustees, send us all best wishes in their end-of-year message. Track 3. An update on what the new tier system means for our services at Galloway's. Track 4. Amanda, from our Digital Services team, fills us in on what we can expect during our Talking Together programme this month. Track 5. We say a fond farewell to one of our long-standing trustees, Peter Howard. Track 6. Come a little closer. We have Jimmy Cricket revealing what's in store during our Christmas party. Track 7. What's the story? Visually impaired actor Elizabeth Wainwright talks about the storytelling workshop she'll be leading for a limited number of our members. Track 8. Yo ho ho! Charlotte tells us how you can get involved in this year's socially distanced Santa Dash. Track 9. As promised, part 2 of Tony's interview with former footballer Gordon Lee. Track 10. Are you looking for some ideas for your Christmas list? We give you our top 10 of gifts to make life easier for blind and partially sighted people. Track 11. We chat to Graham Ross about how Andrew has supported him with technology and reveal details of our winter appeal. Track 12. Why not have a go at making your own Christmas pudding? Track 13. We chat to Seymour Ashraf about our new BMAE BAME focus group and our outreach work in the community. Track 14. A roundup of Andrew's Tech Talk at three guests. Track 15. A festive quiz. Track 16. An update on our hours over Christmas, plus some phone numbers for support. Track 17. Festive messages from members of our Galloway's team. How many voices do you recognise? Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in the new year. everyone it's Stuart Clayton CEO at Galloway's. We know this has been a challenging year for all of us but I hope all the work that we've been doing over the past few months has helped you feel less isolated and more positive. We do understand the importance of keeping connected with family and friends which is why we have done lots of work to bring people together using things like Zoom, our group teleconferencing system talking together 
or even just a simple phone call. However, we are always mindful that some of you who may not have family or a wide circle of friends are finding these times especially difficult. We want you to know we are here for anyone with sight loss and so if you are reading this and feeling isolated, lonely or you just need some practical advice then please do get in touch. Whether you celebrate Christmas or you just acknowledge this important festival it is likely to be quite different this year. I have no idea what will be in store for us in the future but I do know that we must cherish what we have and offer our support to those who may have little to look forward to. Please keep in touch with us as we will do our very best to be there for you. If you celebrate Christmas, then I hope you will do so with optimism. Reach out to those around you and stay safe and well. Hello everyone, this is Simon Booth, Chairman of Trustees at Galloway's. I just want to say thank you for your support and understanding over the past year. As we know, things have been very difficult for all of us. I am incredibly proud of the excellent work everyone at Galloway's has been providing in a new way of support for everyone during this pandemic. But of course, we know that face-to-face support is valued so much. And we know at this time of the year, there's a real focus on spending time with family and friends. Something which we're all missing. And of course, it is not just Christmas. Over the past year, people of all faiths are missing out on spending time with loved ones during this recognised festivals. So I hope you are all staying positive and are able to stay connected in your support bubbles. On behalf of all the trustees, we wish you a safe and happy winter and a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Hello. As the lockdown restrictions vary on a regular basis, we thought we would give you a quick update on how the new Tier 3 system affects us. To date, things remain the same, as the fact Lancashire is in Tier 3 means broomy sunshine is still closed until further notice. But we are still able to continue face-to-face low vision and sight loss appointments at our centres in Penwitham and Morecambe. These are by pre-arranged appointment only. If you are experiencing any issues with your vision, opticians are open and are available to book appointments, so give them a call. Routine eye clinic appointments are mostly back up and running again, with some still carried out over the phone or via video. Patient transport is running via Northwest Ambulance Service, so if you have an upcoming hospital appointment and require transport, give them a call on 0800 032 3240. Usually they ask to call two to three days before your appointment. If you have any concerns about your vision or hospital appointments, you can call Glenn or Eclo at Royal Preston Hospital and Chorley District Hospital on 07 498 369 881 or email glenn.sheda at nhs.net. Or you can call Paula Horton, our new Eclo at Royal Lancaster Infirmary 
on 07498 795521 or email paula.horton2 at nhs.net. Please understand that things may quickly change following further reviews, but we will make sure we keep you updated via our website, social media pages, calls and emails. And please remember, we are still here for you. You can call us on 01772 744148 and you will be put through to one of our sight loss advisors. Take care and please stay safe. Hi, it's Amanda Chadwick, Sight Loss Advisor at Galloway Society for the Blind. As you may be aware, we've had to cease our normal face-to-face -face social activities at our centres during this pandemic. However, that hasn't stopped us from putting together a programme of events you can join in with either Zoom or by the telephone. You're welcome to participate in any of these events. We call this service Talking Together, as that's what we want to do, keep connected with you by talking together. We've already hosted some great speakers this year in our Talking Together service and have more booked. Every Thursday at 2pm you can join in and listen to one of our speakers whose talk range from subjects such as music, history, culture or information from our friends in our local community. We're also launching more talks on Zoom every Wednesday as well with products of the month being demonstrated as well as talks about eye conditions and health. We also have a weekly quiz every Monday you can listen to as well as talking fitness with James every Friday. James has already had some inspirational sporting guest speakers this year. Andrew is on hand to showcase all the latest in technology that could support you with your sight loss and also get you started with technology you may have fancied trying but may need a bit of support with. He's here to lend a hand and also an ear. We've got a Christmas party coming up on Friday the 18th of December at 7pm with special guest star Funny Man Jimmy Cricket and Andrew will be showcasing his singing voice as well. We also have our social chat groups at different times during the week, so why not join in and meet new friends, either by telephone or by Zoom? If you want to join in with any of our events, then let us know. Call us on 01772 144148. That's 01772 144148. Or you can email on talkingtogether at galloways.org.uk. That's talkingtogether at galloways.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you and we really hope you can join in and chat to us at one of our events. Keep safe and well from all of us at Galloways. During our AGM last month, we said farewell to one of our long-standing trustees and respected optometrist, Peter Howard. Peter, who was also known in his working life as one half of Clare and Howard Opticians, first joined us as a member of the trustee board 14 years ago. He then took up a position on the finance committee where he had been serving for the past six years. Expressing how much he had enjoyed his time with us, Peter has decided to step down, but admits he will still be keeping an eye on our developments and wishes us all the best in the future. 
I had a chat with Peter to find out about his time at Galloway's, his lengthy career and how he has helped blind communities in other countries. Hello Peter, thank you for joining us. Just want to say congratulations on your retirement with us. I guess we all want to know how it all started. You want to tell us what brought you to Galloway's all those years ago? A patient of mine in Gastang, when he heard that I was retiring from practice, he said, would I consider um, going on the board at Galloway's? And he would put my name forward. And um, that's how I was first introduced to Galloway's, although I had known of Galloway's for quite a number of years. But uh, I was very interested to be part of the organisation. So I was keen to carry on my career in helping people with eyesight difficulties. Excellent. So, yeah, you mentioned your career then. So do you want to tell us a bit more about that? What got you into um, the eye care sector and, and where did you work? So I managed to get enough qualifications to get into what was then a college of advanced technology doing an, opt an optometry course although in those days it was called ophthalmic optics. And went through my university course, um, became qualified as an optometrist. First went to work in Morecambe uh, under a, a qualified supervisor, actually on Victoria Street, which is only about 200 yards from where Broomy Sunshine is now. Uh, then we decided that we would open a new practice in Garstang. So we, we opened it up as a totally new optometry practice. So we had no patients at all. We just literally opened the door and the patients came in. So from day one, we were virtually busy straight away. I ended up my... 35-year career in Garstang um, with about seeing about 25,000 different patients over the years. We had a very loyal patient base and the practice is still going to this day. Um, got a very good optometrist who's taken over from me and it's, it's still doing very well. Fantastic. What's the name of that practice? It's called Clare and Howard Limited in Garstang. And what made you become interested in, in training to be an optometrist? A very close friend of our family. He was actually the nephew of my mother's best friend, was actually an optometrist. And he was called Eric Clare, hence the name Clare and Howard. Yeah. So it was he that introduced me to optics and said, you know, if ever you fancy doing this sort of work, there'll always be a job for you. So I thought, well, that's fair enough. We'll, we'll get on with it. So with your background, what changes did you want to make within Galloway's? Uh, I wanted people to be aware that there's always something that could be done. Because at one stage, people would come back to us in the optometry practice and say that they'd been to the hospital, they'd seen the eye specialists, and they'd been told that nothing could be done for them. And that was always a heartbreaking situation for the patient. 
as well as for us because we knew something could be done for them and simply by referring people to Galloway's there was always some way around getting them giving them help whether they were either just partially sighted or just visual loss or whether they were totally blind always something could be done to help them and this gave patients a lot of encouragement so that that was one of my main reasons for trying to develop um, a link with Galloway's of course yeah and what would you say has been your biggest achievement whilst working with us as a trustee well I've always thought of the board as being a total team effort so I, d I don't want to put anything forward that I feel I've done specifically I was involved at one stage with uh, a little bit of training of eye conditions and giving the staff at Galloway's uh, more information about conditions like glaucoma and cataract uh, retinitis pigmentosa and how these conditions come about uh, because when somebody joins Galloway's for the first time they very often don't know what a particular condition is uh, and it just gave them a little bit of training in that sort of thing that's fantastic yeah and what changes and improvements then have you seen over the years uh, there's a lot more support being given to service users and more service users are coming into Galloway's, which is brilliant. I think it's exactly how it should be. Uh, we would like to see a lot more of the younger people who have sight difficulties coming because people like Andrew Coleman, they're absolutely wonderful to be able to develop uh, technology for sight loss cases and so many people gain benefit from that so the younger element of um, sight loss sector really needs to be improved if it can be of course yeah because we do know that sight loss can affect anyone at any age can't it absolutely correct yes mainly the elderly but any age can be affected now Galloway's isn't your only role within the sight loss sector, um, in the third sector. Do you want to tell us uh, about working with other charities over the years? Well, that, uh, that again started purely by having more time when I became retired to offer services to uh, overseas charities to help develop eye, um, eye clinics. Um, I was mainly interested in developing vision centres where trained optometrists could test people's eyes and then we also had um, workshops set up so I developed a lot of workshops to produce spectacles so once the prescription was sorted then a pair of spectacles could be made for that particular patient that particular case so I developed probably about six or seven different um, vision centers with optical workshops in well Zambia Ethiopia and Kenya we've, st we've still got an ongoing project in Ethiopia and in Kenya but 
the COVID situation has stopped a lot of visits out there. So unfortunately, we're having to use uh, a lot of resources by post these days and send out spectacles by post rather than take them with us when we go out on projects. Of course, yeah, but it's fantastic that you're still able to, to provide some sort of support. Yeah. And you are also chairman of trustees for Sightline. Correct, yeah. And, and what do you do there? Just make sure everybody's working a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> are they working well? <laughs> oh, very well, yes. And if Ian Edwards sees this, he's, he's been a fantastic service manager for us, as has Ben, who's the, uh, the volunteer coordinator. They're both working really well. It's mainly now changed into a befriending service. So obviously they're telephoning, the volunteers telephone uh, the service users as much as possible um, to stop any loneliness and to stop any difficulties mentally that could crop up with it all. Of course, and we've obviously signposted people to them as well. And it's yes. very handy for us to, to create links with other organisations in, in the county. What are your lasting impressions of Galloway's? Uh, well, always there's been a very friendly atmosphere around Galloway's. Everyone works well together and under Stuart's leadership at the moment I think it's absolutely brilliant you know they're, they're very passionate people uh, they want to help as much as possible at all stages of sight loss and to some extent it's working better than it's done for many many years even though we've got a lockdown situation but uh, the future is very bright I feel for Galloway's that's really pleasing to hear, actually, especially for the people who are using our services, you know, who might be fearing things changing. Um, yes. We have to, but we, we are making these changes for the better, aren't we? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the service users are obviously the prime importance of what Galloway should be doing. And there's no better time to keep in contact with them than now. You know, lockdown exactly. situations are terrible for people with sight loss, particularly those that are living on their own and the elderly living on their own. Of course, yeah. And what would you like to say to the people who use our services as a final farewell? Well, you know, we hope we've done a good job over the years and we feel that job will improve significantly in the future and I feel the new wave of uh, trustee members that have just joined recently I think they're absolutely brilliant in everything that they do individually and I feel it's probably one of the best committees that I've ever seen and I'm absolutely convinced that they will take Galloway's forward in the future. And uh, I wish them every success in that. And I will keep a close watch on how things go. You know, I'm not going to disappear into the sunset just yet. Fantastic. Well, it's good to know that everyone's got your support. Um, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Because I know, um, you know you will be missed. 
you know, we, we wish you best in the next chapter of your career. Thank you. And what, what plans do you have now? You might have a bit more free time. <laughs> Not a clue at the moment. <laughs> Do you, no, do you have well, any hobbies? Uh, well, I, I do golf very badly, but I do golf. Uh, obviously walking at the moment, getting the exercise out into the country. We're very lucky that we live right on the edge of the country. Uh, travel was one of our passions as well, but that's been curtailed for the time being. But hopefully we'll get back to that before too long. Um, not so sure that I'll be as enthusiastic going back to the African situations and going out helping there. Unfortunately, in, Eth in Ethiopia at the very moment, the area that I uh, worked a lot in is under siege by the Ethiopian government. This is in mm -hmm. the Tigray area. So there are civil war conflicts going on at the moment out there. So that will be very difficult to go back into. So we'll wait and see on that score. That's terrible, isn't it? Because those people need your need support, don't they? From well, they do. Yeah. They do. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good. And what will you miss about being a trustee with Galloway's? Oh, just the friendly relationships with with staff. You know, I think all the staff are brilliant. Um, always a good chat with them whenever we go in, and. Uh, yeah, I've been some good friends over the years. I bet you have, yeah. Fantastic. We've, we've had some good laughs, good times. And uh, it, it won't end because I'll still be knocking on the doors occasionally. Yeah, especially, you know, with you still keeping your foot in with Sightline. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Peter. It's been really enjoyable speaking with you. We wish you all the best and I'm sure you will keep in touch. Thank you. Hey folks, it's me, Jimmy Cricket. Come closer. Oh, but stay a safe distance away. I'm here to tell you about the Galloway's Christmas Party event, which takes place on Friday the 18th of December between 7pm and 8.30pm. And you can enjoy it in the comfort of your own sofa at home. I'll be joined by my good lady May and, there's more, your very own Andrew Coleman will be regaling us with some swinging Christmas songs. Now, you can enjoy it while munching on a small festive hamper which will be delivered to your door before the night. Here's the way you join us. Telephone, or if you have internet access, then smartphone or tablet via the Zoom app. The tickets are £10 and you can get them from the head office at Pemworthy. This is the number 01772 744148 and get them before Monday the 7th because we want you there for Friday the 18th. Look forward to it. We are very excited to announce that we have been allocated funding from the Doily Cart Charitable Trust to launch a creative storytelling course. The 12-week workshop will be led by Elizabeth Wainwright, a visually impaired actor and storyteller 
who will guide you through a series of exercises to get you started on your storytelling experience. The first two sessions will take place via our Talking Together telephone service on Wednesday, December the 9th and Wednesday, December the 16th at 11am. They will resume from Wednesday, January the 13th and will continue every Wednesday until the final session on Wednesday, March the 17th. This is a progressive course for the same participants. We're joined now by Elizabeth, who will tell us more. Hello, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Nice to be here. <laughs> Excellent. So, do you want to tell us what we, we could expect during our Galloway storytelling sessions that we've got planned? Yeah, I think that the first two sessions, those in December, will be um, will be real will be real conversations that we have as a group and finding out about one another and and me finding out about them and me me posing the whole thing of uh, storytelling and what they've got to say about that and and um, so they will be informal and then I those first two I. I suspect that they will be quite informal, um, mixed in with some real um, technical things. So I'm going to teach them a lot about breathing and uh, breath and speaking. And so there'll be some games in there as well. So then I think we'll hit it in the new year with, um, we, we will hit, we will know what, we're, what, what story we're telling and they will then start to, uh, really up, up, up it on, on on learning as a group so yeah I suspect that's probably the form it will take there's absolutely no experience necessary just a real interest and enthusiasm to uh, come and explore this you know and, and have a go um, I want them to, to commit to, to progressive and it's a journey and they'll learn from week to week as a group expect a whole heap of fun let me tell you um, uh, just being together and being able to chat through <laughs> some some tales is, is always a good thing um they can expect um they can expect to guide the story themselves um as in what the story they may tell will be uh, <clears throat> i'm going to leave it up to them we're going to work it out we're going to find it we're going to, they're going to learn how to tell a story individually and they'll learn how to store tell a story as a group. Um, and that means working together. That means experiencing what it's like to be together in a, uh, a in a creative way, uh, which, you know, lots of people come and do it who have no previous knowledge of how to work in that way. Uh, they'll, they'll learn how to use their imaginations um they'll learn how to speak really clearly and as a group so it becomes there's something in the theater world we call ensemble and and that's and this is what this is what happens with a group of people they become an ensemble so they they can speak as one and and join as one to tell um to tell a journey of some sorts in storytelling the story can be anything you know uh, they'll they'll um we could we could make it up no they, they could end up devising it we could take one of their stories um if the group feels um 
and then over those weeks um we'll start at the beginning of just learning how to speak as a group so you give time so in the in terms of nitty gritty obviously we've got to you know they'll learn how to time well um in taking turns and speaking and then feeding on to the next person and then the next person the next person um they'll they'll uh they'll they'll really go from scratch and then and, and then as they progress they will um they will be able to be spontaneous in in in, in it as well and creative and imaginative and use their imaginations and, and um and then at some point towards the end or at the end we will record it and have it as an audio to share because there's nothing nothing more uh, beneficial and useful than other people um listening to a story because that's ultimately what we're doing we're not telling a story to ourselves we're telling a story to an audience and whether we can see that audience or hear that uh, hear you know whether we can de deliver that visually or or just order audibly then you know we're going to do it audibly are we natalie i think yes yeah i mean that, that would be really nice um for people to hear just yeah. what you've been doing and what you've created yeah um, and of course this storytelling session is a little bit different to how you normally do it because it won't be face to face it will be over the telephone using our talking together system so how do you see that working well it, it, it will be a first to do it over the phone but we've been doing i've been using zoom quite a lot which um means that you're not exactly face to face in the physical sense um and it's very auditory as opposed to visual um experience over zoom funnily enough so i feel that using the talking together platform will be kind of another sidestep to zoom so um we're just going to meet together in the normal way that the guys meet together in that community on that platform and um and just in enjoy each other's you know each other's uh company <laughs> essentially um in in a normal in, a, in what be in what a normal sense for them do you know what i mean participants um i want participants to feel like that they're, they're on a normal platform that they're familiar with and we can talk for all that time that we're on the phone <laughs> we're still going to be sharing a story um it's still spoken word as in effect do you know what i mean and as a spoken word it needs to be heard as an expression of a story um so we're gonna have it we're gonna, it's gonna be good it's gonna be interesting and fun and good <laughs> excellent thank you so elizabeth we've heard a lot about the project do you want to talk a bit about yourself and your involvement with storytelling uh, i so i'm a visually impaired actor uh, my sight loss is um total in my right eye i have a prosthetic eye and i have um not a great vision in my in my left eye it's it's workable vision for sure but it's uh it's it's also under investigation at the moment so as most people with visual impairment experience it's a bit of a journey isn't it and um and my journey with visual impairment goes alongside my journey as an actor and it took me a long time to um really 
get hold of the community that I now find myself working within. Um, and that is um, people who aren't necessarily um, professional actors, but they have an interest in theatre. They have um, an interest in creating um, interesting pieces of work and, um, and whatnot. And the people I also work around at the moment are people who um, aren't actors, um, ha but really do benefit and wanted to benefit from the confidence building that it gives you, the, the skills that you learn through it about speaking, about um, using your imagination. Um, I know I've said confidence before, but I'm going to say it again, confidence because it, that's one of the really, really amazing byproducts of doing this work with visually impaired, vision impaired people. It deals with anxiety so beautifully. It deals with um, being part of a community and wanting to be part of a community. It's a, it's a wonderful all-rounder. And when you're being that creative, um, you, you can't help but um, grow, grow in yourself. And it doesn't matter at what stage in life you're at, doesn't matter what experience you've got um, it, it just is a wonderful and lends itself to be a wonderful wonderful platform for for growth and creativity um, and I've been storytelling as well and I've worked now for the last uh, two two three years um, developing uh, visually impaired people a uh, groups of visually impaired people to storytell because as it turns out you can storytell as a group. You don't have to sit there as an individual telling a story, but a group can tell a story. And um, uh, just like a company of actors does really in a theatre, they tell a story. Um, but this really lends itself to, um, as well, um, a, a sharing of personal journeys and personal stories. Um, uh, stories that are relevant to people's communities. I work with the um, uh, blind veterans um, in Landudno and, and they had a really beautiful story to tell and it wasn't about the visual impairment. It was about the, the shared camaraderie they'd experienced um, in the forces and, and also a bit of Welsh history. <laughs> so, you know, it, it brings in, uh, it, it brings in some, other things not just our visual impairment this, this is not necessarily about that it's not it's not about telling the story of our visual impairment although it can and it has um but it's more about coming together as a group of people and um uh telling a story that they can relate to or that excites them or you know have fun with yeah right and so what led you to being interested in becoming an actor and, and looking into storytelling. Being an actor was something I'd always wanted to be since growing up. So, um, and it, it took me years to complete my training. Um, not, not least because of losing my sight. Um, in the days I wanted to become an actor and I wanted to go and go to drama school to be trained, they weren't, they wouldn't have uh, entertained anybody with with a visual impairment at all in those days that just probably hints at how old i am <laughs> but um <laughs> but nowadays that is changing which is very exciting um for some drama, drama schools are really really embracing um 
uh, people with disability and visual impairment. Anyway, um, so I'd always wanted to be an actor. I, as an actor, you tell a story. Um, storytelling became a bit of a thing a few years ago um, as a separate, you know, a standalone um, uh, uh, work at being a storyteller. And then it occurred to me that as a community, we have stories to tell and there was a way to, for us to tell it as a group. So um, I just worked alongside a group based where I live in North Manchester. And I, um, we looked at how to tell a story as a group. And I took them through the general storytelling um, basics and we've grown they've grown since then and, and the whole concept of storytelling as a group has grown and um it's incredibly rewarding to not just participate in but um but to guide people on that journey as well it's very lovely very very lovely. It, is. Yeah. it is yeah well thank you very much elizabeth for speaking with us i'm sure it will be a really enjoyable course if anyone is interested in taking part, email talkingtogether at galloways.org.uk before Monday 7th of December. Places are limited and on a first come first serve basis. As this is a progressive course, we would like you to commit to at least 10, if not all the sessions. Thanks, bye. And now time to spread some festive cheer. As Santa's checking his list and you better watch out, as Santa Claus is going to be dashing about, as Galloway's is calling on you to go, go, go to help spread some festive cheer by taking part in this year's Galloway Santa Dash. We are asking our Santa Dashers to run, walk or cycle 3k anytime, anywhere throughout December. Don't miss out today and sign up from £5 on our website www.galloways.org.uk you will receive your own Santa suit, medal and goodie bag. So please do get involved. During the last edition of the Galloway's Eye, we presented you part one of our volunteer Tony's interview with former footballer Gordon Lee. And so here is part two. January 1977, you moved on to manage Everton. Uh, now, I have read that you suggested to the chairman at the time buying and pairing together uh, a couple of young players. I hope I've got this right. Uh, Graham Sharp yeah. from Dumbarton yeah. with a, a certain youngster who was in Chester City's reserves yeah, by the name of... Oh, Ian, Ian Rush, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I, but they'd only buy one of them, wouldn't they? Yeah, it, is, uh, it was... Uh, it was a dream, I say a dream if you want to put a dream. I, I always thought that if I could have put Rush and, uh, and Graham Shop together, I think they would have been the two perhaps best combinations you could you'd get in football. But as it worked out, uh, Graham was cheaper, if you put it that way. Uh, and, I couldn't, and we couldn't afford to have the two together, couldn't yeah. buy the two together. And I think, I think Graham was about 80,000. And I think she, I think uh, Ian Rush was about three hundred thousand or something. Like that. I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, but uh, he went to Liverpool, and uh, we had Graham. But I think Graham was probably uh, probably my best signing insofar that 
on on uh, on ability and service. He played uh, he played for, I think ten or eleven years for Everton. They paid eighty thousand pound for him, and then when they sold him after eleven years, they got five hundred thousand well for him. That's that was some some deal. Not some a bad profit. That. Yeah, very Not good. Yeah. Um, no, you stayed at Everton until May 1981, and then later on in '81, you became the manager of um, a certain club, very local to uh, the Blind Society, uh, Preston North End. Yeah, that was that, yeah, that taking was, over from Tommy Dockett. I believe. Yeah. I've, again, I've read that it, it didn't take you long to realise that, due to the perilous financial position the yeah. club was in at the time. It was an impossible job for you. It, it was. I, I didn't know at the time. I, I didn't do my own work probably, but um, we were in a situation whereby uh, they didn't own the ground, which I didn't know actually. They didn't own the ground, and they uh, there was about eight or nine, maybe ten or twelve uh, new people came onto the board, uh, each putting an amount of money in to save the club. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, at the same time I was having to offer the players less money if they wanted to stay mm. and uh, that was the beginning and the end of it I think right. uh, you can't have if you've got say uh, directors of football clubs who are all putting the same amount of money in somewhere you're going to say well who's going to be the chairman exactly. and that can that can be a problem so there's, it wasn't right at the top no. you know you need, a, you need a chairman a strong chairman and maybe four to five directors no more but yeah. we had more we had more more directors than we had players <laughs> which is, wasn't very good and then um, you, you had a taste of continental football yeah well yeah Iceland yeah. well Iceland anyway yeah. bit, a bit cold yeah 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 <laughs> No, I don't. I, I, I look back on it and think why, why I went. I, I don't know. I, I, it, was, it was different, that's for sure. Uh, it was different for sure. Uh, but you learn things in life, and, and they were a, a, a small, a small country in terms of everything, actually people and also football. But they also had big, good ideas in terms of what life should be like. In so far that uh, they, they worked hard extremely hard and the way the club developed or say the club the clubs developed was that they they started children from children from school to play for the clubs they were like youth clubs big youth clubs and so and so from there they developed their football they played a lot of football and girls play football and I'm not surprised they've made good progress over the years in international football right. the Iceland have yeah right. And then you finished off at Leicester City, of course, yeah, and right. saved them from relegation on the last day of the season yeah, as a caretaker manager. Yeah, I think so. I th- I, that was a, yeah, that was right. I, I was with David Pleater uh, at, at Leicester, and uh, he, things weren't, weren't going well for us. Um, anyway, we, they, they, redu- they left him, they sacked him, I think, and he was a hard-working lad, he, a knowledgeable fella, uh, and he, I don't, I, I don't know, I think, I think one... I just don't. I can't understand how it all happened. To be quite honest, it happened quickly. Uh, but he was honest guy, knew his football. Uh, but I think he he he, he got into one two players as he inherited or he got that maybe weren't his players. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, and anyway, he left and uh, we stayed up. And uh, I said I had we had a board meeting where we stayed up, and I said. What you've got to do is change it all around. You know, you you you've got to give me the job, 
uh, and let me do it my way or get a new manager and I get some new players and they, they chose to go for a new manager and, and, and find money to buy players but, and that was it and then by then I'd made my mind up by I've had enough you know <laughs> <laughs> right well just, just just two or three questions really to see what your views are on football as it stands well actually no not the first one actually um, I'd be interested to know like during your managerial career if you if you could have signed one world class player money no object who would it have been Well, there's quite a few in there. Yeah. Uh, I, I was. I, I thought that Alan Ball was a great player. Bobby Charlton would probably be my top of the list player. Uh, Georgie Best is also brilliant, but a different type. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you if you put me up a corner, I thought you might have said something like Pele. No, 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 no. If you put me up a corner, actually, who I would sign, and had no money object, it would be Bobby Charlton. Right, right, right. That's Bobby Charlton. Bobby, Bobby Charlton. Charlton. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, he was what. Uh, apart from the fact that he was a brilliant player, he, uh, his conduct, and his behaviour and his lifestyle is spot on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, do do you think that today's players have too much power, and therefore it makes them? Harder to manage to be managed. I, I, I'm thinking about how would Brian Clough have, have coped in today's world of football? I think he would. I think he would because uh, he, he would cope with them. You know, I'm sure he would because his ways were right. He, I mean, how, how, why he never became England manager, I will never know. Because without doubt, when when he was available, I would think every football manager in the country would have said Brian Clough has to be the manager. Yeah, yeah. It has to be the manager. His record tells you. But they didn't. Uh, they didn't allow it, or they didn't pick him. And the, F- the football association made a very, very, very big mistake. Yeah. Uh, he'd have won, he would have won. I would have thought he would have won on the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but it's 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 the way that you treat them. I think. I mean, some of them think now that they've got that much money. They they well, can they lord to them, lord unto themselves. Yeah. But I think if you've got a manager like Brian Clough, it wouldn't make any difference to him. Which, which of today's managers do you admire the most? I take it you still watch TV, uh, TV, the football on the TV, yeah, etc. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I, I think there's you, you, the, the the I like the young local. I like the local lads. I don't I don't go along with these wangers and people like that who've been Arsenal for ten years. I mean, and then because all of a sudden everybody wants a foreign manager. And I can't I can't see that. We and you get foreign players coming in. And I would have to go for. Uh, a local, a local yeah. guy like uh, the one at Bournemouth. He's a local lad. Yeah. The one at Burnley's a local lad. Because uh, there are only uh, well, the, when I wrote this anyway, it may have changed. There were only eight English managers in the Premier yeah, League yeah, uh, as right, it stands yeah, at the yeah, moment. Yeah, you know. I, yeah, I think they. I, I'm always, I always admire the one that sort of mm. what's the word. Uh, worked hard to, to yeah. be, be successful. Uh, have you got a sort of a tip for the top? Somebody, a young manager in the lower divisions that you think might make it? I, well, I think, I think the. Funny enough, I think Perhaps the, the manager at Preston North yeah, End. Well, yeah, he's doing well. I think the one at Huddersfield will do well. 
the lads have gone to Huddersfield, they do well at Lincoln. I think that's a, I think that's a good tra- good yardstick to use. Well, he's there with his brother, isn't he? Pardon? His brother's with him as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if, if if you've got a manager that's been at, um, well, I, that's how I did my way. I, I started Port Vale, I went from Port Vale to Blackburn, and, and then I got into the, fir- in the, in the first division. And I think that's the way what I look for. I don't I don't go along with these guys coming from. Spain and Portugal just to become managers of football clubs and without no no CV I can't see that and I think that the, whether however they've done over overseas it doesn't have no no bearing at all I think you've got to look at them in English football we're talking about English football yeah. just just one question one last question before we go because I know this is one that uh, divides a lot of football fans what's your view on VAR <laughs> well. I, th- I think I'm quite certain about one thing. First of all, I think it's very, very good when it comes to offside decisions because you, you can't argue with, with that. If, if, if the if VAR shows he's offside or he's not offside, that's spot on because they've got the line. But when it comes to penalties, I think there's a shade of grey. Uh, it's, it's a tumble or a shove or a push or a, or a trip or whatever. I think there's too many shades of grey to make, and I think it'll be it'll be difficult to sort of uh, keep it going. I, I think it costs too much trouble, to be quite honest. I think it'll be too much, too much trouble. Gordon Lee, thank you very much. You're never too old for a Christmas list. And here at Galloway's, we have come up with our top ten gift list of useful aids to either treat yourself or a loved one who is visually impaired. If you're struggling to get to the doctors for basic appointments, the first two gifts will come in really handy. Number one, talking ear and forehead thermometer. This talking thermometer measures your temperature from either your forehead or ear and announces the reading in a synthetic female American voice in either degrees Celsius or Fahrenheit. The thermometer will store up to 30 sets of temperatures for a maximum of 30 days. The thermometer will also speak room temperatures and the current time if prompted. Sight assistance may be required for initial setup of the thermometer and it requires two AAA batteries which are included and are already fitted in place. The RNIB product code is DH440 and it is $22.99 including VAT. Number 2. The Burra BM49 Talking Blood Pressure Monitor. This is a fully automated talking blood pressure monitor for the upper arm, speaks in four languages, English, Spanish, Portuguese or Greek, to provide your blood pressure and your pulse rate per minute. The monitor has a large, easy-to-see display, with a blue LCD backlight. It stores the average of all measured morning and evening blood pressure values, for at least seven days. The blood pressure monitor can detect existing cardiac arrhythmia. It has an automatic switch-off function, a signal in case the application error, battery charging indicator, blood pressure passport and a practical storage pouch included 
Please note, the measurements are for your information only. They are not a substitute for medical examination. You may need to discuss measurements with your doctor and never base any medical decision on them. For example, medic medication and its administration. Initial setup may require assistance from a sighted person. It requires four AA batteries, which are included. The RNIB product code is Delta Hotel 404. And the cost is £44.99p, including VAT. And number three is a Boyer GS39 Glass Talking Bathroom Scales. This Boyer scale not only speaks your weight, but can remember the last measurement of up to four people. This scale can announce your weight in five languages and has an adjustable volume, including silent mode. In English mode, it will convert between kilos, pounds and stones. The scale has a large standing surface measuring 28 by 34 centimetres and is made of safety glass. The easy-to-read LCD digital display has a large digit sized 33 millimetres and shows which user profile you are accessing. The display and profile buttons are also highlighted with a blue light. Tap the scale firmly with your foot to turn it on and it will automatically switch itself off after use. It requires three AAA batteries which are included and the RNIB product code is DH433 and is priced at $47.99. Number four, digital talking watch with stopwatch. This watch comes with a digital display with numbers measuring one centimetre. It announces the time and date in a synthetic female American voice. With four separate alarms, this watch is ideal for reminding you to take your medication. It also features a talking calendar, stopwatch and optional hour time announcement. And the RNIB product code is CW92 and the price is £11.99, including VAT. And number five, a large print Scrabble set. The board has large squares with pegs at each corner so the tiles sit securely in place and enhanced colours make it much easier to read. Using the built-in stand, you can easily rotate the board to face you on your turn. Each plastic tile measures 2.4 centimetres square and the bold black letters are super clear in 16 point. Suitable for two to four players, and the board size is 37 by 37 by 2.5 centimetres. And the RNIB product code is GB92. The price is £32.50. Number six, sock snaps. Use sock snaps to keep socks together all the way through the wash and until they are safely back in the sock drawer. Pack of 20 purring discs. Simple design and easy to use. Washing machine and tumble dryer friendly. Four mixed colours, white, green, turquoise and grey. And the RNIB product code 
is Delta Kilo 190 and the price is £6.95. Number 7. Large print with braille playing cards, blue. A pack of large print playing cards embossed in uncontracted braille with the denomination and suit at the top left and bottom right corners. The cards are marked in braille as follows. D. Diamond, X. Club, S. Spade, K. Heart and L. Joker. Each card size is 6.3 by 8.8 centimetres or 2.48 by 3.46 inches. And the back cover is blue. They're also available in red. The RNIB product code is GC11U for the blue and GC11R for the red. And they are £11.99, including VAT. We're up to number eight. And this one is Jumbo Print Easy Crossword Book number six. This large print crossword book contains 125 easy crosswords with large print solutions in the back. These puzzles are designed to help relieve eye strain. Each puzzle takes up two pages, so the clues and numbers in the boxes are easier to see. Please note the puzzle book contains American spelling and refers to American geography and culture. Puzzles are easy, not cryptic. The RNIB product code is Papa Zulu 008, PZ008, and the price is £9.99. Number 9. Motion Sensor Nightlight, aimed at preventing falls. Battery-operated bright motion sensor LED light, ideal for preventing falls when getting up in the night and much more. It's designed to help visually impaired people see things clearer and help people see better when getting up in the night. It also helps you see inside a wardrobe, a cabinet, kitchen cupboard, medicine cabinet, etc. It has nine bright LED lights and is activated when darkness and movement is detected. It's wall-mountable, with screw holes pre-drilled and there are adhesive sticky tabs. It's, an, it's adjustable to any angle and swivels 360 degrees and requires three AA batteries which are not included. This is available from techsilver.co.uk by calling 033 00 10 14 18 and the SKU number is SKU6571 and it's from £14.34 including VAT. Number 10. Plug Pullers. Ever struggled to pull a plug out of a socket? These 10 plug pullers make it easy to remove and pull plugs, especially for those with arthritis or grip problems. Include sticky labels, coloured dots and a pen to label and identify plugs. This is available from techsilver.co.uk by calling 033 The SKU number is 33 
$7.11. And the price is £7.95, including VAT. If you would like any more information on these products, you can call one of our Sight Loss Advisors on 01772 744148. All the very best from your readers, Jill and Bob. to move our usual face-to-face -face services to a more virtual setting we've all had to learn how to use our new digital platforms such as zoom or skype even our own sight loss advisors have had to get to grips with the new technology luckily andrew our assistive technology coordinator is always on hand to provide support and help you get set up with these new digital services graham ross who up until a few weeks ago had never even used Zoom, now joins us for a Zoom chat about all the new things he has learned through Andrew's help. So, hello, Graham. Hello. First of all, do you want to tell us about your eye condition and how it affects your vision? Yeah, so I was born with glaucoma and I was in uh, St. Paul's Eye Hospital uh, when I was two weeks old. I was uh, the youngest baby that they'd ever had in there with a, an eye condition. We had two operations, a German one and an English one. And the English one sort of saved most of my sight. Um, I went on to a normal uh, primary school, junior school. Uh, my mum did go to the doctor and see about me going to uh, a blind school, St. Vincent's. But um, the doctor said no. Um, he just put him down the front of the class near the blackboard and yeah. um, he should be all right. So we went through that. Was, um, no problems with that. Went to normal secondary modern school. Obviously, I had the very thick glasses, you know, that looked like yeah, milk bottles. Yeah. And um, went through there, no problems. And got uh, left school with no qualifications, really. Uh, and then um, we went off to um, Food Technology College. Um, we did three years there, and then we got a job in um, a local food manufacturing company. And eyesight was starting to go a little bit, but um, I'd lost it in the right eye and the left eye. I could still, you know, read the newspapers and get get around, no problems. So, so um, we went off and did freelance photography. After that, we did all the um, the beauty contests that they did then, the Miss England, and that in Blackpool, um, Morecambe, and Southport, New Brighton. And then we went off to uh, Europe, and we worked as in the uh, bars in Italy and Greece. Um, and then that's uh, my problem was I didn't start putting the drops in. And of course, the pressure in the eyes started to rise. So anyway, we came back home and we were on the dole. And um, they sent me down to Letchworth. And we did um, a short course on light engineering. Um, came back up 
to Liverpool. I had a, a flat on my own then. Um, when I came back from Letchworth, I ended yeah. up in the um, blind workshops in Cornwallis Street. And that was depressing beyond Dickens. It really was. The attitude was, there was one light bulb and all these men were in these big looms, you know, making these coconut mats. And the attitude was, well, what do we want light bulbs for? You know, the blind. And I was in there as a supervisor and I had reasonable size. And then slowly it went and we went um, to another firm. I was sort of like subcontracted out to another firm where we made kits up for cars, you know, for exhausts and wing mirrors and that sort of thing. And I went into hospital and my sight went all together. And I come back home and I thought, I'm going to have to go back to the, the blind workshops as a blind person. And mm-hmm. I thought, I just, you know, I haven't seen them because they were all been there 30, 40 years. They were all quite institutionalized. And I thought, I'm going to become one of these people. Yeah. I, was, I was just weeks in tears, you know. And in the end, I phoned the boss up who I'd been subcontracted to and said, I've lost my sight. I'm going to have to go back to the blind workshops. Said, oh, it was a really hard boss. <laughs> Take a week off and then we'll send a wagon round for you and we'll sort something out. And my brother came down with me and all the kits were sort of like six nuts, six bolts, six washers and something else. And we made all the kits up and we put them all on cassette and we carried on for another 23 years. So we did quite well. After wow. you know, actually thinking of uh, going back and, well, I wasn't uh, suicidal, but I was really depressed sort of thing. And, you know, for a man to cry front of his mum and dad sort of thing it was just about as low as I've ever been I think very hard I can imagine yeah the of it was that obviously we didn't have the mobile phones went out then so we were on first to work with the taxis and then we'd stand outside we're on this big industrial estate and we were still there at eight o'clock at night waiting you know for somebody to come and pick us up so we had to wait for the cleaners to come to use the phone and ask them where they were so that's what sort of decided me to, you know, to get a guide dog. Your, your glaucoma hasn't necessarily affected your job. No, no. Being able to find work. Yeah. So what, what is your vision like? What can you see? Uh, nothing at all now. Nothing at all. No. What did Andrew help you with? What, what have you learned? Um, well, we, we went and got the 2020, the, you know, the new iPhone, and they set it up in the shop but half of it was missing so when we downloaded seeing ai it didn't do half the things that you know it was supposed to so andrew did that um over the phone on the lockdown um you've also done um how to sort of use amazon and all the stuff off amazon uh which we're not too confident we've even tried it using you know the a lady because you can put in either your voice code or, you know, your voice, but um, you don't get much choice. You just suggest what's top of the list sort of thing, and you've got to take that. So we ha- we've left Amazon alone at the moment, and um, what we're wanting to move on to now is try and use Facebook sort of thing. Has he 
taught you how to use Zoom and how to... Yes. Um, sometimes when we did get onto Zoom, every time somebody came on, Siri would tell me, you know, there was somebody else. So I had to get onto Andrew to how to turn Siri off, which you know, he sorted that out for us and the other thing. To someone who'd never heard of Zoom and doesn't know how it works, how did he manage to teach you sort of... Obviously, because you can't do it face-to-face. -face. It's all done no. on phone. It's very difficult. How, how did you manage that? But he just set it all out and sent me a link. And obviously, um, you double tap on the link. But on some of them, if you go too far down, it, it gives you sort of like audio link, video link, turn video off, turn audio off. And I was doing all these. Whereas he reset it all, and now we just go down, find the link to Zoom, double tap on it, and then you just go into like the waiting room and we're there sort of thing. But it took, um, we had to sort of reset everything again. So it took him a, a good hour, you know, over the phone to uh, sort it all out for us. And do you think it's easy now to use now? Like, you know? Yes, yeah, no problem now. And have you used it to access our uh, Zoom sessions, the talking tech social? Yes, and also the uh, Tuesday social. Right, and what do you think of those? Yeah, it's it's good. Um, it's a it's a bit awkward if if you want to speak because somebody else is speaking. You know, obviously, there's no um, eye contact or anything or some way you know so people sometimes a couple two or three people are talking over each other sort of thing but when we do the the tech talk obviously andrew mutes everybody so you just get him and whoever is the presenter like and then after that you unmute and um, you can ask any questions then and what do you think lockdown would have felt like for you without these new digital capabilities uh, fortunately my brother only lives around the corner but with working shifts he only comes sort of once a week but with having seeing AI I can now read you know the letters that come which are mostly bills but um, you know it saves waiting for him to come round. Do you think you'd be without the, the technology and the help? Um, I'd, I'd probably all uh, I'd use my phone for would be the weather and the time sort of thing because um, Andrew sort of helped us download you know um, soundscape and blind square so they're all things that you know you can have in your ear as you as you walk along they're all you know assistance sort of thing it's helped uh, a great deal and so we do really get stuck you know it's an emergency it's either we'd have to go up to Ainsley to the O2 shop you know, sort of ring Andrew and then say, yeah, this is what's happened. Can you ring us back sort of thing? So, yeah, you know, the emails and the, the text have been ideal, especially if, you you know, you can use Siri and you can just speak. How much support do you feel that you've had from Galloway's, you know, in terms of, of all this technology help? Um, 100%. Um, every time I've asked Andrew, he's either said, you know, when we were able to go down, to the uh, the office to make uh, an appointment or he's made an appointment over the phone and you know he's from the back so it's been you know like 100% support because even um, Carl 
when we first started the lockdown in March, Carl used to phone up every week to see how things were. And, um, you know, that was fine. And what are you hoping to gain in the future from Galloway's? Are there any new skills you are developing that you want to learn? More tech support? Um, to continue on with the tech support, um, and also if there's any sort of uh, basic cooking skills, because all I've got is a microwave. We're, we're limited in some ways to what we can, other than you know frozen meals or something out of a can. Um, if you wanted to cook steak or sausages, it's a bit hit and miss if you've got no sight at all when the actual product is cooked. What would you say to people who are thinking of supporting us by way of making a donation or doing fundraising for us? Um, yeah, I, with um, the way things are, all the, the charities now are looking for sponsorship. And this is the, you know, the right sponsorship because it just, even though you're blind or partially sighted, you know, it opens the doors that would be shut otherwise with technology because that's changing all the time with various items. Even, so I'm waiting for this parcel, which has got uh, from Cobalt um, a thermometer that talks, so, you know, it can take me temperature should I, you know, ever get... Uh, COVID, I hope not, but you know, it's just small things like that that, that make life so different. Even sort of, you know, liquid level indicator, you know, it's say he's pouring boiling water all over the floor and things. Right. So why why is it important to you then that people do continue to support us in the future? Um, because unfortunately it, it could happen to them that they may need something like Galloway's to help them if their site does vary. Um, Andrew, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so just want to thank Graham for coming on today and talking about his experiences. But I think it highlights a really important point that um, everybody has the ability um, to use this, uh, use this type of technology. And... Um, I've known uh, Graham for quite a long time. Graham's actually really good on his iPhone. He's really um, developed his skills um, over the last, uh, you know, couple of years. Um, I think when we went into uh, the lockdown with COVID, I think that presented new barriers, new problems. Uh, people may be thinking that we might not be able to support them with technology, but other people, we've helped lots of other people similar to Graham um, in his situation where, you know, we can provide support over the telephone. We can do it remotely over the internet. Um, and I think one of the most important things has been making sure people uh, like Graham are connected to Galloway's on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, Graham comes on a lot of our tech talks. And I think it's important that we keep opening doors for people like Graham and then they need that extra bit of support because I think uh, Zoom, using services like Zoom, even for those people that are quite techy, has been a new kind of, a new thing really for people to get used to and become, you know, it's kind of a long-term thing now that we all meet on Zoom. So a lot of clients, um, a lot of beneficiaries of Galloway's have needed that type of support where we walk them through 
connecting to a meeting, what are the best settings for the device, how do you interact with the app um, whilst you're in the meeting. Um, and for a lot of the time, we've be actually been doing kind of little um, little kind of test meetings with people just so they get used to using the platform before they actually join one of our tech meetings. And Graham's um, one of the kind of first people that we that we did that with. Um, Andrew, I think when you uh, open the door for somebody like myself, you need to give them a bit of a push as well. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we just stay there. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we yeah. do lose lack of, a, a lot of confidence with these um, phones. So we, we do need a lot, a lot of encouragement and a shove. Absolutely. I think I do a lot of shoving um, <laughs> and, a, and a lot of uh, pushing, I think. Um, mm. And I think, like, I mean, you know, uh, Graham will probably tell you that um, I have said to him a couple of times, come on, you know, we can mm. do this. Um, it, it, it hasn't worked this time, but we'll, we'll, we'll try it again. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. And Graham's right. You've got to give people confidence. They do need sometimes an extra bit of support because we've got to remember um, that when you're visually impaired or, or you're blind or you're partially sighted, um, things sometimes do take longer and then that can leave people feeling less confident but we must remember that everybody's got the ability or um, as I would say the tech ability um, you know to do these things so Graham, Graham's a really good example someone who's who's kind of uh, come out the other side of that well thank you very much Graham for speaking to us and also to Andrew for all your technology support if you have become inspired by Graham's story, you can make a donation to our Winter Appeal by visiting galloways.org.uk forward slash Graham hyphen Ross. Thank you. Bye. How do you fancy making your own Christmas pudding? We have found a simple recipe from the BBC's Good Food magazine. Preparation time is around three hours, which includes steaming. The pudding serves between eight and ten people. It's so easy you don't even need any scales, apart from when you make the sauce. For the ingredients, you need one cup of raisins, one cup of sultanas, one cup of self-raising flour, one cup of finely grated butter, which is about 115 grams or four ounces. One cup of fresh brown breadcrumbs, which is around four thick slices of bread. One cup of light muscovado sugar. One cup of mixed nuts, chopped, plus extra for decoration. One teaspoon of ground cinnamon one teaspoon of ground mixed spice, one cup of milk, one large egg and butter for greasing. For the butterscotch sauce you need 85 grams of butter, 100 grams of light muscovado sugar, 200 millilitres of double cream and one teaspoon of vanilla extract. For the first step for the pudding you empty the first six cups and the nuts into a mixing bowl with the spices. So these are the raisins, sultanas, flour, butter, bread and sugar. Then you stir in the milk and egg. 
once well combined, tip into a buttered 1.5 litre pudding bowl. Step 2. Cover with a double layer of buttered foil, making a pleat in the centre to allow the pudding to rise. Tie the foil securely with string, then place in a steamer or large pan containing enough gently simmering water to come halfway up the size of the bowl. Steam, covered with a lid, for two and a half hours. Keep checking the water level during cooking, topping up if necessary. If you are preparing the pudding ahead, remove the foil, let it cool slightly, then wrap in cling film and then fresh foil. If you are serving it immediately, unwrap and invert into a deep plate. Step 3. For the sauce, put everything in a pan and bring slowly to the boil, stirring. So this is the butter, the muscovado sugar, double cream and the vanilla extract. Allow to bubble away for two to three minutes, still stirring until the sugar has dissolved and the sauce is pale, caramel in colour and slightly thickened. Remove from the heat. Pour the sauce over the pudding and decorate with the whole mixed nuts. Recipe tips. The pudding can be made two to three weeks in advance and frozen in the bowl. Just thaw it completely before reheating to eat. It can also be made up to three days in advance and refrigerated. Just make sure you bring it to room temperature for an hour or so before reheating. The sauce can also be made a day ahead and kept in the fridge. Simply reheat it in a small pan over a low heat. To reheat the pudding, cover with fresh foil and steam for one and a half hours or cover with cling film and microwave on high for seven minutes. Enjoy! Merry Christmas! As part of our commitment to providing relevant support to blind and partially sighted people, our community sight loss advisor Stuart Walpole has launched a focus group dedicated to reaching members of the Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic Community, otherwise known as the BAME community. The group will work with BAME individuals and community organisations to raise awareness of the support we can offer. The group will also aim to empower people with sight loss, giving them the confidence to seek help and lead independent lives. Pendle Community Radio host Seema Ashraf, who is visually impaired, is one of our focus group members and she joins us now. Hello Seema. Hi Natalie, you okay? Yeah, good thanks. Are you? I'm good, thank you. Brilliant. So first of all, do you want to tell us what the aim of the focus group is? Well, when I was contacted by Stuart Whirlpool from Galloway's, uh, I was very pleased to hear that Galloway's was organising a focus group to focus on issues within the BAME community. Uh, now, having experienced sight loss as a teenager, uh, and obviously being from the kind of uh, Asian community, I understand some of the issues and why some people are uh, not engaging with organisations like Galloway's and seeking support and help that there is out there. Um, so when I heard about the focus group, I think it is time, uh, because through my radio work and other uh, charity work and community-based work that I do, 
I meet visually impaired or blind Asian uh, people all the time. And I hear the, when I hear the stories, you know, they're very isolated in the community. Uh, their families are the ones that are supporting them, etc. But they're not aware of the support that's out there. They're not aware of the activities that they could still partake in. Uh, because a lot of people like myself have, have been fully sighted and then lost their sight. Uh, so obviously it's like um, a bereavement, you know, when you, when you lose, uh, when, you, when you form a disability like, you know, blindness. It's a journey that you need to go through uh, and you've got to come to terms with the loss. And then we need to move to the stage of moving forward. And sadly, uh, because these people are isolated in the community, and not aware of organizations like Galloways, they're still in that uh, bereavement phase for many, many years. I have met people that have been in that phase for 15, 20 years, and they've just not been able to move on. So the purpose of the focus group is to provide the, them people with the opportunity to meet other people going through the same thing. And when I talk to a lot of people, obviously I'm, I'm very, comfortable and, and kind of fine with my disability now um, and I've come to terms with it but when I speak to any visually impaired blind person the main message I give to them is that you know it's your own personal journey and it takes a long time to get to the different stages uh, of, of dealing with the sight loss but the whole point of being in the, in the focus group is to talk to others who are going from the same experience is to share experiences and where there's knowledge that needs to be shared for services that you can access again it will all be through the focus group at the same time you know when a child has this kind of disability come for them families go through a lot of difficulties as well uh, and I think it's an opportunity then uh, for the visually impaired people to meet other visually impaired people and then to allow their families to meet as well uh, because within the BAME community, there's a big focus on families uh, kind of taking over when, when somebody has a disability feeling that they have to now compensate for the loss that the individual has. Uh, but my personal kind of feeling is that that's absolutely wonderful and we are blessed to have families like that who want to support us. But there's a very fine line uh, between them supporting us and them becoming another barrier uh, in front of the disability uh, because becoming independent and not relying on others, these are all key messages that um, need to be given because uh, God forbid, you know, anything happens to the parents or the sibling, nobody knows how long they're going to be around to do everything for you. And you could end up in a situation where suddenly they're not there anymore, but you have been wrapped up in cotton wool for so long. Uh, that you can't cope. And then that's a different disability in itself. So in trying to avoid them kind of situations, I think that that's the purpose of the focus group is to try and inspire other visually impaired people uh, what can be achieved. Right, and um, you've touched on family there. What other challenges do you think um, visually impaired BAME members of the community experience? Sadly, there's, one of the biggest problems is, is that the BAME community is very community focused. And the experience I've had when people have had sight loss um, 
because within the Asian community, it, it very much is the end of the world mentality. When you have any disability, and not just blindness, uh, and you know, sadly, the community is very marriage focused. So, as soon as your child has a disability, uh, the damaged goods, uh, and and it's it sounds kind of quite ruthless the way I'm putting it, but sadly, this is how it is. And the comments that people make, you know, you you know your child is is not marriage material. They're a burden. Very much this kind of mentality and the potential of a disabled person. It, it's very difficult for them to think that there is potential uh, for a visually impaired blind person to achieving something. And so, not only does the individual and the family have the problem, uh, you know, have to are coming to terms with uh, the child, you know, having sight loss and and the turmoil that brings. But on the other hand, they have to then deal with the community backlash and, and what they think. Uh, and not everybody is lucky to have a supportive family. And I was very blessed with very supportive parents, um, the youngest of five siblings and very supportive siblings. But as I meet other people within the community, sadly, they don't have the same support. Uh, and especially their family are uh, kind of made to feel embarrassed um, and in one way, you know, some parents are made to feel guilty. I mean, I've had people say to me uh, that, uh, I, what did you do that was so wrong that you got a punishment of blindness, you know? Uh, and, and this is the thing that people have said, and I know that they, this has been said to other blind people. And the thing is, you know, it's all culture. No religion advocates for any punishments. That, you know, somebody is suddenly given a punishment of a disability. But it's a cultural aspect and these kind of comments that come through that add to the disability and then it ends up with the families trying to shy away from the community to hide the person with the disability. Uh, and then they don't end up interacting. When I had my sight loss and I was registered blind at 17, I had a lot of comments from extended family members, uh, not from my parents and siblings, but other people. But rather than... Um, letting that negativity get me down, I channeled that negativity into thinking, right, I'm going to show these people. You have to become very thick-skinned uh, and you have to and I, kind of make a focus. And for me, it was, I'm going to academically achieve something so that these people tomorrow can say, you know, wow, look, you know, she's an inspiration. And, you know, fast forward 20 years, you know, I'm 37 years old now. I am the only registered line chartered accountant in the UK and I've been working in audit for 15 years. Um, and now the same relatives say to their children, oh, look at Simon, she's an inspiration. Look at what she's achieved. And the attitudes that they had, you know, have changed. So that's kind of my message to try and get to people is that, yes, you know, we, we get surrounded by negativity, but we've got to work our way to channel that negativity into something positive. Fantastic. Yeah, I think it's great to have this group to show people what can be done with a visual impairment or any other disability. And like you say, inspire people and encourage people. Um, so what sort of things will you be wanting to do perhaps next year within the community. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get through uh, COVID soon and we can get back to some normality. But um, some of the, the things that I'm planning on doing is um, 
through the focus group, we, we want to generate more membership, first of all. So we're going to try that through different mediums. I, through people that I know, uh, mutual kind of contacts, uh, contacting some of the rehab officers that I know, uh, to try and get some publicity out there and to, to let people know that there is the BM focus group uh, by Valoways. And then working with Stuart, uh, once we do have uh, an uptake in the membership, to then start considering some of the events and activities that they would want to engage with, uh, you know, and, and then see if we can organize and arrange some of them. In addition to that, uh, I am planning on starting doing um, some blogging uh, on, on Instagram. Uh, I have created my uh, page, which is Sam Ashraf underscore blind auditor. And I'm going to start blogging on um, activities that blind visually impaired people can do. And they're not specific to being people. Uh, you know, it is anybody blind visually impaired. Because sadly, I find that there isn't the one list or one place that an individual can go to to find out what, you know, what is out there um, for us to engage and use in order to carry on living, you know, a normal uh, existence. So um, I want to kind of start in, in simple things, you know, for example, just with money uh, on the new notes, uh, there are the indentations on there to identify what's a 20 pound, 10 pound, 5 pound, just from simple things like that to sort of that people just aren't aware of. And then to the extent of, you know, uh, things like the journey care service, which is allowing us to be independent on, on using trains, um, you know, the access to work program, which again is the only way that I am managed to have an independent kind of career. So these are many areas that when I talk to visually impaired people, they're just not aware of, of these areas that are out there. Um, so through the focus group, through the activities, through Galloway's, the whole objective is to improve the lives of visually impaired people, uh, to remove them from their isolation, uh, where they need um, kind of just that chat with somebody to go through and have who's had the same experience to provide that opportunity, if not just from myself, but from the other people within the group. Um, and so, and, and like I said, you know, to allow families to have that opportunity as well, where they could meet other families uh, who are coming to terms with a child having a disability as well. Excellent. And I know one piece of work, um, which by the time this is aired, um, will have already have happened. But Glenn uh, will be joining you on your radio show talking about, um, you know, eye care within the BAME community as part of your bigger aim for, for a larger show on disability awareness. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is in line with, obviously, it's a National Disability Awareness Month as well, since so the 18th of November. And then on the 3rd of December, we have the United Nations uh, International Day for you know, um, People with Disabilities. So uh, because that's happening, obviously, this week, I decided that my radio program is every Tuesdays between 5 and 7 p.m. So this week, I would, uh, on the 1st of December, I'd have a focus on uh, disability awareness. And I decided that what would be really useful, because the listenership of Pendle Community Radio are mainly from the BAME community, uh, particularly the Pakistani Muslim community. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, we do have a lot of people with diabetes, a lot of people with glaucoma. 
Uh, and I think it's going to be absolutely valuable to hear from Glenn uh, the eye care and the things that people can do um, around looking after their eyes uh, before they develop any issues or any disability. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to having Glenn on. And like he said, it is part of a wider uh, program on disability awareness. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Sam. It's been really interesting speaking to you and, you know, in particular, some really thought-provoking comments about um, people's attitudes towards disability. And so it, it is really interesting and hope we can challenge those stereotypes and perceptions to get something more positive. So thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, and I'm really pleased uh, to be working with Galloway's. Andrew has had some great guests for his Tech Talk at Three Zoom sessions on a Thursday. Here is an edited roundup for you. Galloway's presents Tech Talk at Three with Dr. Shimon Stumpf from the Orbit Project. I'm interested in, in particular, is accessibility and also AI, and in this project, um, the two really combine. So I wanted to give you uh, an, an overview of what the project is about, what we're actually doing, what, what AI is capable of, um, and then also uh, give you an update of how far we've got um, and what we're doing next. What we are dealing with um, is what is called object recognition um, that relies on computer vision technology. So it's essentially the computer seeing something or, or identifying something um, and then um, using algorithms, AI algorithms to identify what that object is um, and then you know you can use that in applications so so that is the area that we're dealing with so recognizing objects by the computer um, and the way that that usually works is that these algorithms that detect or recognize objects are built on uh, data sets and these data sets are huge so uh, ImageNet, which is used by a lot of algorithms to, um, you know, develop these computer vision algorithms, um, that contains over 14 million pictures, right? So, um, and those pictures are contributed mainly by sighted people. Um, so they might submit one or two pictures, or you have some um, uh, super users, as we usually call them, or super contributors, who um, take hundreds of pictures, right, of objects. Um, and um, they get stored in this database, they're labeled, so um, the, the image says, okay, this is an image of a, you know, a cup, right? Um, and then um, a computer algorithm can be developed um, that recognizes cups or whatever is in that database right um, and once these algorithms are developed you can build them into apps like seeing ai 
So good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Tech Talk at three. It's Andrew, um, your assistive tech coordinator from Galloway's, and really pleased to be joined this afternoon by Sylvia from Jumpy Cat, um, which is a, a, an accessible fitness app that you can download to your iPhone on iOS. And it's great to have you with us, Sylvia. Welcome. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's great to be here. Uh, I hope that everyone will be inspired to give it a try, even if you are not into fitness per se, or you have not been exercising for a long time, that maybe you will consider giving the app a try and giving some of the exercises a try, um, even if you're a complete beginner. You might even want to give it a go, you know, today while you while you're doing the demo, we can all join in. Should we do a quick demo then? Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's have a little listen to how it works. Squats. Ah. Instructions. Start from a narrow stance. Breathe out. Push your butt behind you. Then bend your knees to lower into a squat. Still in the squat, slowly lift your heels off the ground as high as you can. Hold. Then inhale and lower your heels back down. Raise your hips back to standing. Let's start with our warm-up. First one's calf raise squat. So that's the that that those instructions are for those ones. Just ah, a bit there you longer. Go. Yep. That's pretty cool. So it's telling you how long you've got left to go. Yeah, so it'll tell you if you need to switch to the other side for exercises like last seconds. Okay, everyone. So um, welcome to uh, Galloway's Tech Talk at three. It's Andrew here from Galloway's. Really pleased today to be joined by Paul Porter from uh, RNIB Reading Services. Hiya, Paul. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Hello, everyone. It's great to have you on board today. Um, we've we've got a, a good group of people on here who are all, uh, I imagine, avid uh, book readers. They like the talking books. They like the Braille books. Uh, and RNIB have done some great things, um, certainly over the last couple of years, to improve talking books for people and improve reading services. And, and for me, reading is a, a passion. You know, I've always got two or three books on the go at any one time. Um, you know, loved talking books as a kid, loved Braille as a kid. Um, back in 2000, I joined Audible, which was at the time based in the, in the US. Um with the introduction of the Kindle app and, and Apple's uh, books app, that, that was a game changer because, you know, from one day to the next, I could access thousands, if not millions of books on my, you know, my phone or my, my, my tablet uh, and then laterally on, uh, on, on Amazon Alexa. So, you know, for me, it's still a, a joy to, you know, someone might recommend a book or you hear, hear about a book on the radio or, or, or reviewed on TV. You think, yeah, I really want to read that one. And and chances are it's going to be available through RNIB or through something like Audible or, you know, Amazon or Google or, or uh, Apple. That book's going to be available for me to read either, you know, with, with, with great human narration um, or with, uh, you know, your, 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 your device's own built-in speech or indeed now with uh, with Braille displays and so on. So, you know, getting access to, to books and information is, is just so much easier than it was even 10 years ago, but certainly 30, 40 years ago, you know, it, it, it's a completely different landscape now. So, you know, just, you know, getting access to newspapers, getting access to information on, on the internet, um, you know, I, I think we all kind of probably take it for granted now, but it's still a great buzz to be able to, 
access a book, you know, at, at, at the same time as, as everybody else, um, you know, whether you're visually impaired or not. Galloway's presents Tech Talk at Three. Supersense with Shane Lowe. So Supersense for, is an app released on iOS and Android. Um, you can use it on iPhones and iPads as well, if you'd like. Um, the Android version actually came out first. It came out last year in 2019. And the spearhead features there, the main features that the Android version had were the explore and find features. And the way that those work is you would use your phone's camera, the back camera on your phone, to scan the area that you're in. And any time that it passed over an item that the computer could recognize, it could recognize 600 items now, I think, uh, 600 different types, it would tell you what it is. So if it passed over your desk, it would tell you a desk. Or if it passed a chair, it would say, that's a chair. Or it, you know, it could find doorways, it could find people. Um, and so you could you could use your camera to scan your vicinity and find anything in your area. Um, and then the, the you know the next logical step was looking for something specific, the find feature. So we made it so that you could select something specific. You know, if you're just trying to find the door, if you want to leave somewhere, like you know, like if I'm boring and you want to look for the door to get out of here, you can select door in the find menu. And the you know it'll beep whenever your camera passes a doorway, so you can walk toward the doorway and you can get the hell out if you want. If you would like to listen to the full sessions, you can visit our Galloway's Blind YouTube channel, join our Galloway's Technology Group on Facebook, or email andrew.coleman at galloways.org.uk. Hello and welcome to the Galloway's Eye Festive Quiz. There are 20 questions altogether. So let's get going with question one. Three of Santa's reindeer's names begin with the letter D. What are those names? Thank you, Jill. And I'm going to be reading all the even-numbered questions for you. Question 2. According to the song, what did my true love give to me on the eighth day of Christmas? Question 3. Which real-life person is Santa Claus based on? Question 4. In which modern-day country was St. Nicholas born? Question 5. In the movie It's a Wonderful Life, what happens every time a bell rang? Question 6. What words follow Silent Night in the song? Question 7. 
Which country started the tradition of putting up a Christmas tree? Question 8. Which Christmas song contains the lyrics Everyone dancing merrily in a new old-fashioned way? Question 9. What was the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time? Question 10. How do you say Merry Christmas in Spanish? Question 11. What is the name of the last ghost that visits Scrooge in A Christmas Carol? Question 12. Visions of which food danced in the children's heads as they slept in the poem Twas the Night Before Christmas? Question 13. What gift did the little drummer boy give to the newborn Christ? Question 14. What is the best-selling Christmas song ever? Question 15. What gifts did the three wise men give Jesus on his birthday? Question 16. Who sang Walking in the Air, the theme song to the snowman? Question 17. Which country did eggnog come from? Question 18. What fruit is traditionally placed in a stocking? Question 19. Who is the patron saint celebrated on the 26th of December? Question 20. Which festive song or carol can you use to demand figgy pudding? OK, Jill, that's all the questions. How about some answers now? Over to you. OK, that's great. Thanks, Bob. So, how many do you think you've got right then? Well, let's see. Here are the answers. First of all, the answer to question one. Three of Santa's reindeer's names begin with the letter D. What are those names? They are, of course, Dancer, Dasher and Donner. Question 2. According to the song, what did my true love give to me on the eighth day of Christmas? 
And the answer is... Eight maids of milking. Question three was, which real-life person is Santa Claus based on? And the answer... The Christian Bishop St Nicholas. Question four. In which modern-day country was St Nicholas born in? And the answer is... Turkey. Question five. In the movie It's a Wonderful Life, what happens every time a bell rings? And the answer is... An angel got his wings. Question six. What words follow Silent Night in the song? And the answer is... Holy Night. Question seven. Which country started the tradition of putting up a Christmas tree? And the answer is Germany. Question 8. Which Christmas song contains the lyric Everyone dance merrily in the new old-fashioned way? And the answer is Rocking around the Christmas tree. And question nine was, what was the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time? And the answer is Home Alone. OK, question ten. How do you say Merry Christmas in Spanish? Feliz Navidad. I do apologise for my non-Spanish accent. Well done, Bob. I thought you did really well there. And now question 11. What is the name of the last ghost that visits Scrooge in A Christmas Carol? And the answer, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Question 12. Visions of which food danced in the children's heads as they slept in the poem Twas the Night Before Christmas? And the answer is sugar plums. Question 13. What gift did the little drummer boy give to the newborn Christ? And the answer? He played a song for him on his drums. Question 14. What is the best-selling Christmas song ever? Answer? White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Question 15 was what gifts did the three wise men give Jesus on his birthday? And the answer? Gold, myrrh and frankincense. Question 16. Who sang Walking in the Air, the theme song from the snowman? And the answer is Alid Jones. Question 17 was... Which country did eggnog come from? And the answer is England. And apparently eggnog originated from the very early British posset, a hot, milky ale-like drink. And by the 13th century, monks were known to drink a posset with eggs and figs. 
I never knew that. Did you, Bob? No, Jill, I didn't. Thanks for telling me. Okay, question 18. What fruit is traditionally placed in a stocking? And the answer is... Tangerines. Question 19. Who is the patron saint celebrated on the 26th of December? And the answer... St Stephen. Question 20. Which festive song or carol can you use to demand figgy pudding? And the answer is, we wish you a Merry Christmas. OK, that's all the questions, that's all the answers. Hope that you've enjoyed the quiz. And from me and Jill, we'd like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Over the festive period, we will be closed from Thursday the 24th of December at 5pm and we will reopen ready for the new year on Monday the 4th of January at 9am. This year is like no other and whether you celebrate Christmas or not and whether you live alone or with others, we know how sometimes it can feel overwhelming and tough. If you're feeling alone over the break, please remember there is always someone out there to talk to. If you can't reach out to family, members or friends, Samaritans is open 24 hours a day. Call 116-123. The free phone wellbeing and mental health helpline is available on 08 Four zero. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. CALM, the leading charity for male suicide, has a helpline number which is open 365 days a year, from 5pm until midnight. The number is 0800-585858. Take care everybody, and stay safe. Santa here. Are you ready for Christmas? I sure am. Well, I'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Bye-bye now. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Rachel Watkinson at Galloway's. I'd like to wish you all a very happy Christmas and a lovely new year. We hope that you have a wonderful festive season. Merry Christmas from the Galloway's Low Vision team. I'd just like to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Hello, it's Natalie, your communications officer. I'm wearing a Santa hat, the Penguin's wearing a Santa hat. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hi, everyone. I hope you're keeping well and... He's wishing you all the best for Christmas and the new year and hoping to see you all 
at the centres as soon as possible. Wish you all the best for Christmas. Carl. Hi, it's Pam from Morecambe. Just wishing everyone a very happy Christmas and look forward to seeing you all in 2021. Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Angie, the volunteer coordinator at Galloway's. Wishing you all a happy Christmas and let's look forward to a fantastic new year. Hi everyone, James here. Just like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Peaceful, happy time. Stay safe and thank you for all your support. Merry Christmas. Hiya, my name's Stuart, Community Sightless Advisor. Happy Christmas, everybody. Hello, it's Tina Boddington from Galloway's. I'm the Trust and Grants fundraiser. Um, I'm wearing my Santa hat, which clashes with my pink top, but hey, it's Christmas. Just wishing you all the best over the season. Merry Christmas. Christmas everybody, hope everyone has an amazing time with all the friends and family. Everyone, it's Stuart from Galloway's, wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hello everybody, it's Jenny from the Digital Services team. Just wanted to wish you all a Merry Christmas. I know it's going to be a bit strange this year, but hopefully in the new year things can start getting a little bit more on track. Hoping to see as many of you as we can for our Christmas party on the 18th of December. Either that or you can join us for our Christmas quiz the following Monday. That would be fantastic. Um, hope you're all well. Speak to you all soon. Bye.